Welcome to Lotus Listen. I'm your host, Fatima. And today I just want to discuss, uh, you know, mental health in the Black community. So I have invited a special guest with me. His name is Jermaine. So Jermaine, hello there. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm happy you could do this with me. Oh, I'm very excited. Been looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. And I know. And like, this is a big issue that I feel like we need to discuss, especially the stigma that we have in this community. So um, let me just say for a minute that um, I'm just here to support this community and definitely find more resources to help, you know, even any minority, you know, coming from a Hispanic background. Um, This is something that we battle with. And I definitely want to I want you to share your experiences with us and maybe anything that you would love to share and just uh, help us be more aware. Oh, absolutely. I would love to share. So, well, um, as growing up, you know, as, you know, a, a black kid, an African-American male, you know, we are, you know, we're taught different than, than most in, than most other communities. Mm -hmm. Um, So, we face a challenge where we are even dating back to slavery you know what we have to teach ourselves to be mentally tough in hard situations you know it happened during slavery where they had to fight for freedom it happened during the segregation jim crow era Mm -hmm. where they're fighting for civil rights and have to think of their own and just be mentally and emotionally tough and and even as far as dating to now, as we face the the challenge of, you know, how do we handle our mental and emotional state of mind? Right. So, like, I know, like, in my community, you know, mental health is not something we like to discuss about, you know, growing up you know, depression, it's not, you know, it's not common in, in my community to be like, hey, let's speak on it, or let's seek help, or do you want to talk about it? It was more of, you can deal with it, you have to be strong, you know, our our ancestors have gone through, you know, through all this, and they've made it work, and here we are, so now you should, you know, continue and working hard, you know, because they see it as it's just laziness, and you're unmotivated, where, you know, we understand now that, there's something wrong with this. And so in with your community, like, is this something you guys are afraid to speak on or do you guys hold it back? Uh, it's a little bit of both, honestly. Okay. Um, we, we are afraid to speak on it due to the fact that, you know, we don't want to, to be seen as weak mm-hmm. or as somebody who's just not strong enough or, you know, we're feeling ashamed mm-hmm. or embarrassed. So it's, 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 a little, it's a little bit of both. Right. And I think that's just crazy, like how people feel like they're embarrassed to say they're not, you know, feeling well or going through this. Because, you know, with everything else, like physical um, illnesses, like we're like, yeah, you know, I sprained my ankle or I did this. And we talk about it and it's like, oh, my God, I feel bad for you. But the minute you speak on how you're basically battling your demons, it's looked down upon. And then, you know, the whole religious aspect comes into it. And I don't know, I, um, what I've learned, you know, religion plays a big role for a lot of communities. And I want to know, is that something in your community? Oh, yes, absolutely. Even from me um, dealing with it. Um, they, my, I have a religious family. They're Christians, mm-hmm. majority of Christ, Christian dominated in my family. And, you know, 
even if you bring up the slightest of problems of wrong with what's wrong with yourself, you know, you have people in your family or your surroundings tell you, oh, well, you know, you, you go to church and, you know, get right with God, talk to God about it. And, you know, it's just a terrible way of, mm-hmm. of telling someone to do that because even my family, even my mom or grandmother have told me the same exact thing. Well, you know, you have to seek God and you need to talk to God and go to church. And, right. and it's even coming from like when, we talk about suicide Mm -hmm. and they always say that even not just my family but most christians say well you know i can't be you know i don't know what life you can't bear to take my own life or you know if you go you take your own life you know you're going to hell or something wrong with you you go to god about it and it's just so i feel like it's such an ignorant thing to say yeah um because i feel like well god gave us these resources of therapists counselors and all these other yes. things. So mm-hmm. is this a, you know, that they tell us those things, it just makes us feel even worse about mm-hmm. it. It's like, you can't talk. I don't talk to my family about mental health because I know what they're going to say. <laughs> they're going to say the yeah. same old thing, which is why I don't talk to them about mine. And, that, and that's, that's really a big deal though. I actually heard a podcast and he's a Christian therapist and someone had asked me, do you believe religion um, can help you heal your mental illness. And he believed that, you know, God can help you, you know, he'll heal it, but it's a process. Like, it's not like, Hey God, I'm not feeling well. Like, can you remove this depression now? And then the next morning, you know, you're better or anything. It's just a process. But, and I think a lot of like Christians, even in, in my religion as a Muslim, you hear that a lot that they're like, you're not worshiping, you know, you need to believe in God more, go read the, the Quran, the Bible, whatever it is. So this can be healed, you know, and, and churches don't even make people feel welcome with mental health. You know, the church is just going to spill the word of God and everything. And there's nobody really listening and trying to understand what you're going through. And I think that's something that really needs to be changed. I definitely agree. And it's another, another reason why that you, you know, that a lot of, you know, blacks don't like going to church because mm. they feel that sense of judgmental. Right. They don't feel that sense of support. They, right. always, they hear these pastors or preachers say, yeah, you need to get right with God. You need to go to God about it. I'm like, but listen, you, you, that's not, it sound, they make it sound so simple. Right. And, but it's not simple. No. It's so much more than that. I say, if you're going to say, hey, you're going to tell me go to God about it. Well, can I say, well, God gave us resources, like I said. So I can't just say, well, yeah, you go to God, you heal, you're healed. Everything's okay. You know, just read the Bible and you'll mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, no, and this is why. Yeah, that's funny because they do look at like, they look at therapists like, like it's against the religion to go to these people, like they're witches or, or you know, it's just like, it looks so down upon that it's not normal to be like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, sister or brother, you feel in this way. Like, you know, I do know a therapist I could refer you to or whatever. And it's just like, why does it always have to be go pray to God? Like, if God been listening to me, if God knows what's in my heart, he knows I'm struggling right now. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, and that's the thing. I feel like the religion in, in almost every community has this. But if you go to the white community, mental health exists. You don't need God or Jesus for this. You need help. Exactly. And it's probably another reason why that there is really a 
a lack of of African and black therapists um out here. Oh yes. I mean because you see that even in the white community, even some churches, they have like, you know, mental health support and they have all these other resources yes. of helping their own. Well meanwhile, here in the, the black community, it's not the same. It's not. It's, it's not. not. You know, um so I know that you are a teacher, am I correct? Yes. Okay, so in your in your school, is it, you know, is it a mix of children or is it just one group over the other? Um, it's it's a mix of children, but it, it is more whites than White. than any other. Okay. So does your school like are there like mental health counselors and like the school counselors, do they provide these type of resources for the children? So my school, um, the school district that I work in, which is Atlanta Public Schools, uh-huh. they don't have any kind of those resources. They have, have they have counselors, but they don't have any other type of resources for wow. for kids. And it's, it's it's funny you bring that up because about two or three weeks ago, a kid in our school in my district, he killed a high school kid, a teenager killed himself. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, and it's like, okay, all they do, I'll, I'll say, well, if anybody wants to talk to a counselor, you know, it, well, it's available upon mm-hmm. you. But I'm like, counselors, we need more than counselors. No, we do. And and honestly, I feel like we just need more, in, in, in the mental health community, I feel like we do need more, you know, black, black therapists, um, Hispanics, or even from different religions for other people to, un- to be able to understand and feel safe. Like they have someone from the same background that they can relate to. And, you know, I was just away from my residency, if you didn't know, and I was with a lot of counselors in training. And I honestly, it's it, it was a huge group, maybe let's say a total of like 300 people, right? Um, I think from what I saw when I got there for orientation, I think I only saw two black men. Mm. Okay. And then the majority was just like white women. There were a lot of uh, black women. So I was really happy to see that. And, you know, a few little Hispanics. So I want to know what is, from your point of view, like with men, their view on mental health, because I'm not seeing like a bunch of, you know, black men trying to join this type of uh, field. Oh, no, we 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 don't we don't take it seriously or we don't pay attention to it enough. Mm -hmm. It's both. Um, (laughs) When it comes to even for, you know, when it comes to our own, we 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 brush it off. You know, we we keep it moving, and we we keep our silence about whatever we have going on, and we just keep pushing forward. I I honestly, if I had the answer to that, mm-hmm. I would tell you. But it's just that, in the simplest way, we don't take it seriously enough. We ignore our we we ignore our own signs, and a lot of black males maybe look at that particular profession and be like uh, no not interested right and that's right. just a hard truth right you know a lot of people do believe that like why do you need to talk to a stranger about your problems when you can figure it out yourself or, or whatever like why are you paying a stranger but and it's that's like, the number one thing why do i have to pay someone i'm not going to pay someone to talk to my problem that's the most common answer and, and, and my answer for that is always is because you will not have a biased opinion like, and that's the thing. And, you know, you could go to your friends as much as you want, but sometimes not all your friends are going to look look out for the best of you. You know, they probably want you to do wrong, so they're going to give you the, the wrong advice. 
and now you're going you're still going down that little dark hole so it's like why not talk to someone that doesn't know you who can't be biased can't choose sides can't be on your friends or your family side and is only helping you try to figure life out and i get it like it's expensive and i think that's another reason why people stay away from therapy and during my residency, it was actually kind of sad what we learned, and I'm going to spit out little secrets or, or truth here, but th- it's so expensive because it's obviously insurance, and you know, insurance is not all that great in America. Let's get that right. And all, and, and private clinics, you know, they need to make profit. They need to make their money. So if I go into a bad community, you know, let's say there's a majority of just, you know, uh, of, of African-Americans and the economy is really bad for them, I can't have a clinic there because I can't charge them the rate that I need so I can survive on my own. You get me? Like, I can't give it to you for $50 and then I'm over here struggling because I have to meet your needs. So that's why they choose locations where there is money and they can do their $150 sessions. You get me? Oh, I I, I understand you because even where I grew up, I grew up in the, I grew up in the city. I grew up in a low-income neighborhood. And as I'm growing up, I always notice the the next closest clinic is probably maybe 10 miles away. Oh, my God. They're not going to put that in a low-income neighborhood. Even still today, in Mm -hmm. the low-income parts of Atlanta, where there's majority of Blacks, there is no clinic whatsoever in sight. Not for the next 5 to 10 miles so you just let people die physically and mentally just just let them die off basically that's just, and, and 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 that's what it's sad because yes money is involved me as a counselor in training yes i understand that my profession can make me money but i want more counselors in training they might not all think as like me because i'm my own person but my thinking is i want to find ways to make it affordable for these communities because it, it's just really sad especially children like i created a program in my uh, residency for our presentation where I can help, you know, juveniles stay away from the um, the system. So like I can get all the first uh, offenders, first time offenders, put them in a program, help them out and hopefully make them not come back to, uh, to the system, whatever. And it's just like, it's so sad that these people need these resources and, and someone to understand where they're coming from. And we're not doing that. Like, nobody's like, let's go help them out. It's, no, they're trouble kids. They're all criminals. Uh, they have no parents. You know, nobody cares what's really going on in that context. Nope, they don't care. And as a, as a Black man and as a Black person, you know, the, coming out the womb, the, already, the odds are already against you. Once, right. you. once you get in jail or locked up and once you get out, the odds are just, just stacked and stacked and stacked on top of you. You're basically on your own. There's no way, there's no programs, there's lack of programs out here right. that's beneficial for us. Yeah. And it, it's just like we're, we're in a system where we're just destined to fail. Yes, yes. And, that, and that's how I look at it. And, you know, that does make me sad because, you know, I grew up with a lot of, like, African-American friends. Um, and it, it's just really hard that, you know, that they have to tell me, like, you know, I'm glad I made it to 21, blah, 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 because I could have been in jail. I could have been dead. And it's like, they are really living with that mentality where you go to a white community and they're like, yeah, I'm going to college. I'm going to be this. My dad got me this. And, you know, and it's like, wow, like it's two whole different lives of, of privilege and not having that privilege. And it's really sad to me. It is. It is. It's like the, even the 
slightest accomplishment. Like, okay, I don't have a, oh, I'm 25 years old. I've never been to jail or I've never been, you know, in trouble or anything. In the black community, we deem that as one of the greatest accomplishments or even the slightest thing. Oh, I got acceptance in the college. Wow. Amazing. One of the greatest things ever. It's like because the odds are so stacked, even the slightest a bit accomplishment is is deemed as high reward for us because and honestly it just seems like the biggest accomplishment in these communities is they have survived and that's what they keep trying to do survive and you know even with the whole mental health issues going on in the community it's more like you need to keep going like you can't let that hold you back you just gotta keep going (laughs) because you don't want to be like looked down upon that you can't provide for your family or because of your mental health or whatever and that's that's really insane when I look at it from this perspective like just how I see other communities succeeding and looking at mental health like it's a normal thing like yeah I just have a therapist just so I can go talk and a lot of people don't have that privilege to spend that money just to talk to a therapist even if there's nothing wrong with them right and honestly that's the story of as the black people we have been taught to survive since slavery. Yes. We still feel the effects of it. We, we, even, we had to survive during that era, survive during the Jim Crow era from lynching, riots, every single thing. From the war on drugs, it's surviving the drugs in the community to even them, to where it's all system. You know, the, the, it's a system out of racism. Now. We're just taught to survive. And, and, and unfortunately, that to us, is an accomplishment. Like, even to me, surviving here, being here 26 in the position I am, even just being alive, mm-hmm. it's a survival. Because even then, back from my family, where we had so many young men die in our family, it's to me, I feel great and accomplished. Right. Like, I made it this far, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes I feel like I wouldn't. Right. And then, you know, that's, that's hard. Like, it was just recently that I learned, you know, uh, we know what PTSD is. and and I think I've come across to you before how I picked up on that book on like uh, PTSS, which I never heard of until I was told. And, you know, the whole post-traumatic slave syndrome, how that is still being carried around until right now. Basically, generation after generation, people carry that trauma down. So if you right now are not seeking help, all of that trauma from the past, whatever, it still goes down and down to def- future generations. And And when I was looking this online, there was really not enough information. It was from one author. It was an African-American author. And she's the only one who's spoken about it, really. And there's really not enough. Like, if I look at my textbooks, it's not going to tell me anything about this at all. Nope, it's not. And it's not going to tell you about it in the history books in school. It's not going to tell you about none of that. It's it's just not. And they've chosen to, like, ignore it. Like, that does not exist because... You know, I was doing more research on on um, the the diagnosis in, in African-American and a lot of African-Americans are, are being misdiagnosed, like with schizophrenia, with parent. Like this is the biased one that African-American women are being uh, diagnosed as paranoia, like all the yelling, all of this. That's because of paranoia. So they're giving them the wrong medications. So you already know how medications come with side effects already. So imagine giving you a medication that you don't need in your brain. And now it's giving all these new side effects and now it's really messing your brain up. Like that is what's really going on right now in the African-American community in the mental health area. I definitely agree. They think it's some major diagnosis when it is. It's just 
it's PTSD that we saw. It, it is. It's basically that simple. What it is. I, there, I, I like. I know people like uh, my boyfriend. You know, he he's an African American, and like they have this like fear just being pulled over by a cop, even though they haven't run into any situations with it. But there is that PTSD that's in you know in that community. Like even if it hasn't happened to them yet, which I hope it doesn't happen. But what I'm trying to say is like it has not. It's something that they carry with them, and it goes down generations and generations. Exactly, and that situation don't even have to happen to that person before, but it can happen to somebody else, and they witness it. And it's like you know, now I'm feeling you know that happens to me. Like I've seen so many you know police shootings on unknown black men just from a stop, a pullover, and and when I feel that when an officer pulls me over. I always have this this heart racing inside of me because mm-hmm. I just you know, I just yeah it's, it's just my anxiety it just starts going off and I start you know fidgeting around and my voice just starts trembling and mm-hmm. and that's just how and that's just the way that's just how we live with it and that's that's what we go through and it's like it's so bad that it's just basically normalized now wow and it shouldn't be that way. No, it really shouldn't. Like, people should not have to live in fear, like, just for even, like, a taillight being out or anything. Like, it it should never come to where you have to think, like, this is it. Like, this is my last minute right now. And and it's really sad. And people don't take that seriously. Like, people don't understand how that is affecting the communities. And I just feel like all the stigma that there is on and of mental health and, like, you know, and with Hispanics or Asians or, or African-Americans, like it's something that needs to be changed. And I want more people to be more aware of it, that it needs to change. I agree. And it's, it's and I'm so, I'm so happy to see that people are becoming more and more, more and more aware of their own mental, especially the black community, because yes. we need every single progress that we can make to, to survive out here. I, I know that, Every, I know we all can't afford it, mm-hmm. afford it, but just to even acknowledge it yourself, like, hey, something is wrong with me. Right. You know, I do need some help. Yeah. You know, maybe there's somebody in your family that can, you know, maybe help you out with the resources to get you some help. Just just being acknowledged and of it. That, and then you create that community. You know how, you know, sometimes people use social media in a way that be accepted into a community that, that they can find people that relate to them, you know, and, and that's what everyone needs is where they can feel like it's an open safe space and you know nobody's judging them and they can just open up about their struggles and feel like this is okay like I'm going to be okay I'm not alone and that's something that everyone should know like no matter what you're going through you are not alone on this like there is somebody who's going to support you whether it's your friends maybe a family member or just outside if you can find a community that can you know fit what you're looking for I just feel like this whole stigma needs to end and we need to bring more awareness. That's why I'm trying to create this podcast so people can share with other people about it and everyone can become more open about talking about this. And it doesn't just have to be about mental health. It could just be with challenges in life or, you know, just things that you can go through and you feel like you can't make it out alone, but you know, we're all here to support one another. Correct. And in creating a podcast like this can go a long way into changing someone's life i always told myself when i am a teacher i know i can't impact every life but if i get one one uh, one i i did my job 
I can live and I can sleep at night knowing that I changed one kid's life. I know that I work I work in a upper income, higher income neighborhood mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And to be honest, this is my last year working there because they have nothing to offer me. Mm-hmm. None of the you know, I I I impacted a few lives, but it's now it's time to go on to something better. It's time mm-hmm. to go in the low income, the less fortunate neighborhoods, black people and to help these kids and wow. so we can just so we can just get them ready and keep them just on a float for the future because it's tough out here. These these ki- even kids now, these kids are starting off young with post traumatic stress and they are, they are and and I think it's time to start looking into the kids too. You know, we're always saying that they're just kids, this is how they behave, but there are signs that a lot of people miss and I feel like we just as a community need to grow together and understand each other better and, you know, just help one another just so these kids of today can become better adults in the future and be able to carry on for the rest of the generations. And hopefully mental health is something that people are not embarrassed to talk about and they can spread more awareness. I definitely agree because there's two main things that make a person feel feel more good and that's trust and understanding yep if you have trust and understand that person can feel like they can trust you mm-hmm. and they feel like okay they understand me mm-hmm. and everything falls into place after that mm-hmm. and and see and here's the thing that's why i named this podcast lotus listen which i was trying to make it seem as let us listen because That's the thing. People are not listening. These people want to speak about what they're going through. And everybody just hears them out. Or they just like, oh, okay, you'll be all right. It's it's cool. Don't sweat it. But people just want you to listen to feel like their feelings are valid and that it's okay for them about how they feel. Like, I want people to, if I'm venting or something, I want people to be like, yeah, you're right for feeling like this. You know, there's nothing wrong with like feeling like that. Because the minute I start hearing lectures or you're going to be fine, you need to calm down that's when I shut down. And that's when I don't want to speak up anymore. Yeah. If you say that to me, I'm done with the conversation. I want to speak to you about nothing else anymore. Because that means they already tell me what kind of person you are. Exactly. You don't want to listen to me. Okay, I'm sorry that I just troubled you. (laughs) Right. And now I feel like I'm placing my burdens upon you and I feel even worse. Exactly. Come on. (laughs) And that's the thing with a a therapist. Yes, you're paying them, but that therapist is not going to sit there and be like, all right, you're throwing all these burdens. Now I got to go home. Like, no, they want to sit there and, you know, guide you to make yourself better and figure yourself out. I definitely agree. And me and you talked about this sharing messages on social media. You mm-hmm. have to find, when you if you can't afford a therapist, find someone that can understand you and relate to you. Yes. And if you're Black, make sure that therapist is Black. Please, yes. because they will understand you. You I, you being black and having a white therapist, you ain't got nothing in common, Jack. You don't. You go and, and I understand you can learn to be aware and, and remove your biased opinions, but but it's not the same. They they don't feel that pain. They can't really relate to what you go through. So you want someone who already has that understanding in the background, like they, they know family members or whatever that have struggled with this or even themselves. So they can help you guide with these feelings instead of being with someone who might not understand you and you never know, like those biased opinions might come out and offend. So it's just better to look for someone that you can relate to, honestly. Exactly. It'll make, it'll make, because it it will make you more comfortable. Like, okay, yes, this person 
feels me, understands me. So I feel so comfortable now. Now I can just let it all. Now it'll start coming all out without you even trying. Exactly. Like you won't, you won't feel judged at all. Like at all. Like they'll know this is, they know why I'm like this. They know how, what, what culture and background I come from. They understand me. So they can't say anything bad about me. Cause guess what? We are the same race and we probably have gone through the same things. Exactly. <laughs> and so, we um, face the same problems most likely. Yes. And honestly, like I actually, uh, it was a while ago I went to uh, a therapist and she was white and, you know, I told her my like issues or whatever about my cultural differences with my father. And she's just telling me like, well, you're an adult now. You should be able to make your own decisions. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> See, in my culture, that doesn't fly by. Like, no, we don't just be like, dad, I'm grown. I do what I want. It, it don't work like that. Oh. She's using her bias of what her culture does you know white americans after 18 they can go to college do their own thing it don't work like that for me and i get it you're telling me that i'm grown i should make my decisions but you're not understanding it don't work like that no they just telling you what they just telling you what they think exactly so that's when i'm like no i need to find someone to me for me it would come about like my background like my religion maybe to understand my religion better because you know christians and muslims have a little you know there are few differences so i need to find someone that can maybe understand why my culture is the way it is and why they're, you know, strict or whatever. So, yeah, it's all about finding what meets your needs. Exactly. And once you find that, like you say, everything will, everything will slowly, you know, like you say, it, it just won't happen. It's a, it's a slow process. It, it is. is. It's a slow process. Oh, man. It is. And I, I know a lot of people feel like it's, it's not going to get anywhere. We're going slow, you know, and it's just like, what's the point? It's a waste of time. But mm-hmm. you have to give it time, and you have to tr- you have to trust the process. Uh, exactly, and I'm like they say, you never know. A year from now, things could be totally different. But you just gotta trust the process and have patience. And if you're a believer, you know that God has His timing with everything. So, yeah, and I'm a firm believer of everything can change within a year. Because oh yes, especially yes. given to me, because there was a point where I was at my worst. A year- Yep, a year ago I thought I was going to become an attorney and go to law school, and here I am. Yeah, <laughs> I'm finishing up my first year of my master's program and to become a, a therapist. So that's that's crazy. Yeah, I remember. I remember you was in law school. It's it's crazy how life. It's, yeah. it's amazing how life changes. It, it does, you and know? that's why I want people to understand that you know don't I know in this moment right now this goes to any listener who feels like they're they're feeling stuck in the moment and not figuring out what they need to do in life like your moment is coming just trust it keep doing what you're doing and and don't give up like that's the thing don't give up you got to keep going there's so many resources opportunities and open doors for you You just got to keep searching that and you know patience is a virtue absolutely love it and I'm so glad, Jermaine, that you actually came on this show. It was really great to have you, so I, you speak on, you know, mental health in the Black community. I'm very happy about oh, that. Thank you for having me. It's been, a, it's been an amazing 30 minutes. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Thank you. And I hope we can have you soon on the show so we can talk about more topics. Exactly. Looking forward to being out here again. Love it. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Lotus Listen.